0: helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. The Holy Gospel according to Luke chapter 14. On one occasion when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you're invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then, in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The gospel of the Lord. To you, o Friends in Christ, God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you this day and always. So I'm not going to talk to you about the text today because they speak clearly for themselves. It sort of goes like this arrogance. No, humility, yes. Arrogance is a separating oneself from God. Humility is being drawn closer to God. So there, we could just end right there and head out to the barbecue. But I want to talk to you about the gift of faith, the great free gift of faith that God gives. It's a free gift because it has no conditions and no stipulations. The gift of faith. When I was a little boy, I loved going to the zoo. The Staten Island Zoo was probably two or three miles away from our home. I loved going there. It wasn't the Bronx Zoo to be sure, but it had all sorts of cool animals. And I loved being there, monkeys, tigers, and lions. And they had this one big, big, strong male lion with this huge mane. I loved going there. There was a problem, and that was often after I'd gone there, that night, I'd dream dreams. In fact, I'd have a nightmare. It would go like this. I would uh, envision that lion getting out of the zoo somehow, and somehow going around corner after corner, two to three miles, somehow finding our street. And then, incredibly, he'd find our house, and then, he would claw his way up to the second floor and look in my bedroom window. So I would see in my nightmare the window filled with this big head of this lion. And you know the old Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer introductions to movies where they'd have this ferocious lion roar? That's what he'd do. So he'd roar, and I'd scream, and my mom or dad would come in and sit next to me and say, I guess, things like, Don't worry, John, it'll be all right. I'm here, I'll take care of you. And it settled things down because I trusted them, and that engendered even more trust that I wasn't alone. That formula of words of comfort and assurance, don't worry, I'm with you, and promise, I'll be with you, I'll stay here. Uh, enabled me to have this trust. In the Bible, that same formula is used repeatedly. Just two examples. To Abram, at the beginning of his faith journey, God said, do not fear, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. Abram heard those words of comfort and assurance and promise, And he believed. It's not that he believed in the concept of God. Well, let me analyze the world and everything, and yeah, I sort of believe that there's a God behind all this. It wasn't that. Not that kind of belief. It was Abram believed God, believed his word, trusted. That is, he had faith. Jesus said, have no fear, little flock. Should we sing a little of that hymn? Have no fear. It's a great little hymn. Have no fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Words of comfort and assurance and promise. And what did those words do in the lives of those disciples? Engendered trust in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. Faith, according to the book of Hebrews, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things as yet unseen. Faith. You ever had a crisis of faith? A time in your life where you wondered if any of this stuff was true? I have had several. The most pointed one for me was when I was, get this, in seminary. Studying to be a minister my first year. I was there surrounded, I thought, by all these people who had no doubts about their faith at all. Strong convictions, they knew absolutely what they believed. And what I found was I didn't know if I believed anything believe in Jesus, believe in God. I didn't know at all. I felt empty inside. I wondered if the beliefs that I had held for years were just sort of part of my environment what my parents and my church had passed on to me and I had taken hold of. Was it really mine? Did I really believe this or not? That was in the fall of my first year. I roomed with my best friend, and over breakfast one morning as I talked to him about this, he said, I would think your faith would help you. I would think your faith would kind of get you out of this. And bingo, he had nailed it. The problem was I didn't have any faith. The faith tank was empty. Didn't know what I would do. So since then, God helped me out of that dilemma. Obviously, I ended up staying at the seminary and becoming a minister. I did this for 40-plus years. Um, But since then, I've learned some things about faith, my own faith, and the faith of people with whom I've ministered over these 40 years. I want to share a few things. Faith is not a commodity. Faith is not something you own and possess. It's not something you use willy-nilly when you need to. Not true faith. Faith is not a commodity. Faith is living, it's organic, it's relational. It doesn't exist on its own, it only exists in relationship to God. Faith is, if you will, the conduit between you and God, by which God comes to you with all of God's resources through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us and who equips us for life and all its challenges. So whatever you're facing right now, you should know that you're not alone. God is with you through the gift of faith. God comes and dwells in you. And so when you think about your dying day or you're thinking about a loved one who uh, is close to death, you can understand that God is with you. Jesus stands with you and says to you, have no fear. I've gone there, done that, conquered death, And so death has no power over you anymore. You're going to die. We all will. But death has no power over you to be the final word. Faith. Faith is not a solo trip. It's not a cozy you and God, everything's fine with me, and who cares about the rest of the world? Faith is a personal reality. You have faith, you have faith, you have faith. I have faith by the grace of God. But faith is always drawing us into community, not isolation by ourselves, but into community, where you've been drawn into this congregation, this church, where you can receive the love and encouragement and support that a congregation can give. Think how valuable that is when you've gone through a tough time or a celebration and been surrounded by people of faith. And think what you've been able to give to others. It's a humbling experience to be able to sit with someone who's struggling and to pray with them and to encourage them in the faith. Being drawn into a community not only means comfort and love and encouragement, but it also means being challenged to be people of faith, to be faithful to God. And what does that mean to be faithful to God? It means to love God and to love your neighbor. Faith is not self-serving. Faith is not being self-preoccupied and turned in on ourselves. Faith is just the opposite. It's being freed from that and turned outward to see others, to see the needs of people around us. Faith shows its face in good works. The book of James says faith without works is what? Dead. Luther had a little different slant on it. He talked about true faith. He said, true faith always has good works attached. It's like if you have a fire, you build a fire, you always have heat that emanates from the fire. When you have true faith, you always have good works that emanate. Faith is active in love toward the neighbor. It always seeks the well-being of the other person. It seeks peace and justice and mercy. Think about today's corrupted, broken world. And think about how many people need your faith active in love, your loving support, encouragement, and all the rest. You may remember in the Good Samaritan story, the self-justifying lawyer said to Jesus, and just who is my neighbor? Trying to justify himself, limit his responsibility, he asked that question. Jesus flipped the question. He didn't really answer that. He assumed that the neighbor is anyone and everyone in need. But he flipped the question to this. Will you be a good neighbor like that good Samaritan? Will you be the one who doesn't walk by ignoring the man beaten and left on the roadside? Will you be the one who goes and ministers to that person. Think about our society today. People who are suffering, people who are excluded on the margins of life, who feel the pain of not being recognized as who they are. We, people of faith, have the opportunity and the obligation to love and to support and to welcome all of those people. It's not a political thing. It's a faith People of faith don't ask, who is my neighbor? People of faith ask, will I be a good neighbor? And by the power of the Spirit, we can and we will. Luther said, and this is good to remember, God doesn't need your good works. You're not going to impress God with your good works. (laughs) Your neighbor needs your good works. Faith mighty and wondrous gift of our loving God, by which we're set free from our self-centeredness and given a new way of living, of being, and of seeing. And so I want to invite you right now to use your eyes of faith and see the great cloud of witnesses surrounding us and with us. Cloud of witnesses right here, people of faith. Cloud of witnesses who have gone before us, your spiritual ancestors, the ones who've given you your spiritual DNA, and begin to think about who are those people? Who are those people in your life who heard God's word of grace and mercy, who had faith and who passed that faith on to you? Who are those people? Who can you give thanks for, for the faith you have? When I think about that question, I give thanks for the fact that I grew up in a strong congregation of people of faith. Staten Island, New York, Zion Lutheran Church. I was surrounded by people who loved us. Even when I was a kid, and we were out of control kids at times, these people loved us. They'd reprimand us, but they loved us, and we knew it. It was a great, safe place to grow. One older couple to me when I was a kid, the age of my parents, Uh, Gordon and Annette Olson, spent a lot of time with them. My parents did. And they were exemplars of faith, people who were leaders of the church. They didn't brag or boast about their faith. They just lived it. Their son, Bernie, is here. So Bernie and I grew up together on Staten Island, and we're both beneficiaries of that congregation. My mom and dad, I guess, are the two people I'd name first and foremost because I lived with them and saw them all the time. My mother, in 1934, anybody remember 1934? 1934, it's a long time ago. My mother started a Bible study group for women. That's the way it was back then. And every month, 12 women would show up at our house and they'd read the Bible, study the Bible, pray, talk about what the Bible meant for today, And then, of course, they'd have cake and coffee. Every month they'd do that. And as a little kid growing up in the 50s, I'd see that. And it really impressed me in a positive way. My dad, oh, and my mom did that until 1994. Yeah, 1994. She was a young 92 years old. And we and she decided she needed to move to Connecticut with us out of her home on Staten Island where she had lived for years and years. Anyway, 60 years of leading a Bible study group, not bad. My dad was a businessman in New York, and the image I have of him and why this is important to me, because it imprinted faith in my mind and heart, is that at night once in a while I'd look in and see him by his bed, kneeling, saying his prayers. Big successful business guy, and he's on his knees praying for his family, church, the world. Pretty powerful stuff. Who are people in your mind's eye as you think about your faith and where it came from? Who are those people? Just close your eyes for a moment if you're comfortable doing that and envision those people. It might be parents, might be siblings, might be grandparents, aunts, uncles, people in church, friends, neighbors, who knows? Just Picture them right now. And then, I want to borrow from the movie Places in the Heart. At the end of that movie, it showed the people of that town uh, sitting in their pews in the church, a lot of empty seats. And then as they took communion, it was that kind of passing communion down row by row, Uh, those empty seats became populated by the spiritual ancestors, those who had gone before. I'd like you to open your eyes now, and I'm going to put my mom and dad here, my brothers right here. I'm going to put a few other people here. You do the same. Put those people who are your spiritual ancestors around you, and let's fill this church. And we'll fill this church with prayers of gratitude for them. For the faith they had for the faith they passed on to us faith comes from god through the people of god so that we may have life with god now and forever thanks be to god that's the sermon for this week we hope from it you learned a bit more about god's love for you and the world Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, you are loved.